a seat as we dive in this morning. Whew, we're going to keep worship going, but just in the form of opening God's Word, all right? Thank you, JJ. Can I, you know what? Before I get going, every Sunday morning we walk in here, I just, I don't say it enough, but I am so grateful for these ushers that, that they could be sitting here like us, but they choose to give up their time to make sure that we can meet in a safe way. Can we give it up for them? Man, what a gift. And for those who are in not the leftover seats, but the overflow, you know, thank you guys. Thank you guys for, for being willing to meet out there so that we can all be together. Uh, and next week, good news, we're going to two services. So uh, we should have even more space available to welcome more people. But today, so last week we finished up our series through Acts, or two weeks ago. Last week we had a, a prayer service in here, which was just such a wonderful time with you guys. Um, and this week we've just finished a week of prayer and fasting as a church, where we've been intentionally. Many of you have joined me in, in giving up certain things in order to seek God more intentionally. Well, on the tail end of that week, we're now holding what we call a Vision Sunday, where we, we do this about once a year. The last several years, we've taken one Sunday a year to look back at the previous year, thank God for what He's done, and then look forward and lay out our plans for the year to come. And I love this kind of Sunday because it's like a pep rally for Jesus, right? Like, you're celebrating what He's done, and you're excited about what's coming ahead. But as we approach this day, I said, Lord, how do I lay out plans for a year where change has been the only consistent thing? Right? Because as we look back over this past year, half of it was what we anticipated, and half of it was nothing like we've ever seen. And as we look at our vision statement, which is, we say it frequently, we want to be people who are rooted in Jesus, growing together, serving our community. And we look back to February, or not February, September 2019 to February 2020. And we think, okay, well that happened about like what we thought. Right? We had our first ever serve day last October, if you remember that. We had our first ever marriage night. We had people jumping into small groups, jumping into women's Bible studies. People were growing. Things were happening. We had a bunch of people get involved in our foster ministry through Find Your Fit event. And it was great. And then March 2020 came along, the pandemic hit, and all of a sudden, we're like, okay, the mission stays the same, but all the ways we accomplish that mission have to now change. The mission stays the same, but that's about the only thing that stays the same. So around March, we started figuring, okay, how do we just continue to stay together? So we went online, and we had a team of people who did a phenomenal job helping us do that. We started doing Trinity Live on Facebook every morning. That way we can continue to meet together and walk through God's Word together. So we, we tried to make the online thing happen. Small groups went to Zoom. Eventually they started meeting in person. We even had Easter online, which was like, what? I didn't see that coming this year. But even in the midst of having Easter online, we still reached more people with the gospel of Jesus on that Easter than I can ever remember. I mean, it's hard to know what the online numbers really mean as far as how many views you had, but we had almost 3,000 views 
Like, I, only God, right? And, and so as, as we had to then tears postpone or cancel TEC mania, we had a team of people put on a massive celebration out in our parking lot anyway. And so as I look and I think about this upcoming year, what kind of vision message do I have for us today? A humbled one, <laughs> but a grateful one. And it reminded me immediately of Proverbs nineteen twenty one. Many are the plans of a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. This virus is despicable and evil. This virus, the world's strongest powers are trying hard to contain it. It surprises us, but it certainly didn't surprise him. And as I look forward to this upcoming year, and I remember back, I went and read over last year's vision message, and no, it did not have a clause about what we do in the case of a pandemic. (laughs) But I stand here grateful because I see a group of people who said, you know what, we're going to lean in. We're going to stand firm together in Christ. We're going to support each other in the midst of grief. We're going to reach out to the poor. We're still going to reach out to the fatherless. We may not know what it's going to look like. We may not know what the next months are going to hold, but we are going to lean in. And I'm incredibly grateful that we've been able to see what God has begun to do here. And as I look around now, I even see several new faces that have joined us since going online. And I praise God for that because it can only be him. It can only be him. And so as I asked God, I said, God, what what do you want me to share on Vision Sunday in the midst of everything going on? He didn't give me a road map like I might have liked. But instead he pointed me to Exodus chapter 33. Exodus chapter 33. And just to give a little background with you because I'm going to share it with you in a second. In Exodus 33, this is well after God, through Moses, delivered the Israelites out of 400 years of slavery in Egypt. God did it. He moved them out of there. And in delivering them, though, he delivered them then to a dry, unsettling wilderness. Eventually, he took them to Mount Sinai, where he made a covenant with them, like a groom does with a bride. And then he, he, he gave them his law because they were to be his nation and his people. But in that covenant that was made with them, it did not take them long before they said, forget it, we're going to do our own thing. And they did a detestable thing by worshiping a golden calf instead of God. And now in Exodus chapter 33, God says, Moses, it's time for you and the people to leave Mount Sinai. What does that mean? Go back into the desert. They just came from the deserts, the uncertain, unsettled place, and now you got to keep going in the midst of it. Anybody relate with that right now? And so what does Moses do? Well, he has a conversation with God, and I want us to read that. Exodus chapter 33, starting at verse 12. If you have your own Bible, you can pick that up and read that with me, uh, or you can follow on the screen. Exodus chapter 33, starting at verse 12. This is Moses talking to the Lord. Moses said to the Lord, You have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. 
You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. Now, if you're pleased with me, teach me your ways, so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses says, now show me your glory. Everybody say glory. The Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I'll have compassion on whom I will have compassion. This means he has sovereign grace. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no one will see me and live. Then the Lord said, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you on the cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. Everybody say after me, pray after me. Say, God, open my heart, open my mind, change my life, lead this church. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, it's interesting to me. That when God took the Israelites from Egypt, he didn't take them the smooth route. This is God. God could have taken them the sea route and blasted every enemy in their way. God could have totally done some Star Trek stuff, teleported them from Egypt to the promised land. Right? This is God we're talking about. But he takes them one of the most awkward, messy unsettling ways. Why? Why would God lead them through the wilderness? And for us, why is it that God often leads us through this uncertain, unfamiliar routes instead of the smooth route? If you're taking notes, God often leads us over unfamiliar terrain to make us familiar with our own hearts. If you don't know the story, the Israelites cried out to God. God comes and he delivers them through through his power. With Moses as a servant, he takes them out of the oppression of Egypt, miraculously delivers them over the Red Sea. And then in Exodus chapter 15, we see they had this massive worship party. And however... And the way I kind of see it is they're looking back this way at the Red Sea and they're cheering, they're singing, they're having a worship party and then all of a sudden that dies down and they turn around and it's... <clears throat> right? Like you see this dust ball kind of come across the bottom and they're thinking, we were slaves for 400 years in Egypt, not Bear grills. Right? Like, we're not survivor wilderness people. That's not who we are. That's not who our parents were. Like, we have no clue how to make it in the midst of a wilderness. What is this? And so the adrenaline and, and the feeling of celebration after leaving Egypt didn't last very long before they realized we're in unfamiliar territory. And the unfamiliar makes us feel unsettled. And the unsettled makes us feel uncertain. What's ahead? What's the plan? 
And then when their mouths started getting dry and their stomachs started to grumble, that just ratcheted up that whole feeling of uncertainty. What's ahead? They needed some sort of assurance of safety. But where would they go for it? It's okay to want safety and assurance, but where do they go for it? Now last March and April, there was a bit of an adrenaline rush around here. We weren't celebrating, but it was a bit of an adrenaline rush around here. What are we going to do? Let's figure it out. And then after a while, as we started realizing that, man, jobs are different. Relationships are different. School is different. Laws on what we can and can't do. Social conventions. Government leaders. It's all changing. It's all becoming unfamiliar. I mean, from our vantage point, we were all at home, so it all seemed familiar on the outside. Way too familiar. But it, as we looked at the rest of the world, everything was different. And then the unfamiliar led us to feel unsettled. Don't tell me this is new normal. If I hear one more person say this is new normal, right? <laughs> unsettled. And then the ache of loneliness, anger, the ache of, of, of grief, financial loss, all of that exacerbated, this, this feeling of uncertainty. Where's the map for this? What lies ahead? Are we prepared? What's going to happen to our family and friends? Who has answers? Can someone just give us the assurance of safety? Again, to want safety and assurance is okay, but where do we go for it? And what we see in the story of Israel is such a perfect picture of human hearts everywhere. As far as where we all tend to go when we start to feel that uncertain feeling. And then we see that Israel first, in their uncertainty, they immediately wanted to go back to what was familiar. In Exodus 13, they grumbled. And they said, if only, when they didn't have any food, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. And you're sitting there going, but it was slavery. <laughs> but all of a sudden, what was looks good. Why? Because we bought into the lie that familiar equals safe. Instead of moving forward, instead of trusting with the next step that God's going to get us, we feel like, oh man, I, I just need to go back to what I knew. Because at least that felt, I knew what to expect. And I, and I feel like during this whole season of uncertainty that we're in, that we may not be traveling back to where we once were, but we still find ourselves wanting to go back to old familiar habits. I want to go back to maybe a destructive habits, unhealthy habits, online addiction. Drinking until the sadness goes away. Destructive thought patterns, old flings. Because we bought into the lie that familiar equals safe, even though that means we're going back to slavery. And even though we, we may not have necessarily developed destructive habits again, that many of us in the midst of our tiredness, we're just like, you know what? I don't want to lean forward anymore. I, I, I'm, like, I don't feel like seeking Jesus today. I, I'm just tired. And we go back. We look back. 
And churches fall into this trap too, guys, don't they? When we as a church, if we, if we get to the place where we say, you know what, the mission of Jesus, I'm just tired of being creative. I'm tired of trying to figure out how to do this right now. Let's just go back to familiar traditions. Let's just go back to familiar relationships instead of accepting and welcoming new people. Like, like, like let's just do that. Why? Because familiar feels what? Safe. But once we realize that I can't go back, once Israel realized we, like, it's not possible to go back to Egypt, they don't want us anymore. That we, like, this is our reality right now. That leads us to second. Israel looked for safety in what they could see in front of them. And what did they see in front of them? They saw a leader named Moses. And Moses was a man who had spent time in the wilderness. He at least knew how to operate in the wilderness a bit. And so they saw he had competence. And then number two, they saw that he had faith that God was going to do big things. And God was doing big things. So they had a comp- he had competence and he had faith. But instead of the people trusting God for themselves, they placed their faith in the competence and faith of their leader. You tracking with me? Instead of having their own faith, they said, I'll, just, I'll, I'll lean on his. And the reason why you can see this in the story is because in Exodus 32, when, when Moses went up on Mount Sinai and he didn't come down for a while, the people started feeling squirmy. Because something might have happened to him. We don't know. we got to do something here. And so they went back to the thing that they knew, the familiar thing, which was pagan worship. And they said, let's, let's build an idol we can see. And they took their gold and they gave it to the high priest Aaron. And they said, you make a golden calf for us. And they did. And they basically developed their own false religion right there on the spot. Which was the equivalent of adultery against God. Why? Because they needed something they could see in order to trust. But in doing so, their hearts were exposed. And see, in the scarce season, in the wilderness, when we realize that, man, things are not what they were, when we're feeling the ache and the hungers of our humanity that tends to threaten or completely take away our sources of security. This time last year, man, it was an economic boom, wasn't it? We were feeling pretty good. Enter 2020, we started second-guessing a lot of things. And I've realized over this last year for myself, man, I, it's like, wow, I didn't realize how much I, I trusted in the government, how much I trusted in economic stability, how much I trusted in my own strength until right now. And all of it feels shaky. Now, can churches fall into trusting things they can see? Yup. <laughs> As a pastor, I've had to go before God and lay down many times, Lord, I'm tempted to trust in what I see on our bank account. I'm tempted to trust in in how clever my sermon is. (laughs) Some of you are like, yeah, well, keep trusting. Um, (laughs) I'm tempted to trust in the perfection of our programs, right? Like, like, Like these sorts of things, like, well, if that doesn't go well, now all of a sudden the whole church starts to feel shaky. But why? And it sounds ridiculous, doesn't it, when we name these things? 
But it's because we often are quick to trust in what we can see. But the uncertainty of the wilderness exposes our source of security. And why do I bring this up? Because I want us to see how significant Moses' words are and to show us the way that he goes. Because as we face our own unsettling, uncertain year of consistent change, Moses' conversation with God certainly adjusted my own heart. So how do we look forward? What does he give us in this moment? Does he give us a clear roadmap of everything that we're supposed to do of the next year in order to go? No, he doesn't. But he certainly gives us a posture to come and bring before God. What does he teach us? That it's better to have God with us in the wilderness than no God in a land of prosperity. It's better to have God with us in the wilderness than no God in a land of prosperity. You know, before God called Moses, like I said, he knew the wilderness. He, before the whole burning bush incident and, and God going to see Pharaoh, Moses was a confused, angry man. He had no clue who he was. He had no clue. He was really running from his past. And he had no idea of where he was going to go in the future. But the Lord revealed himself to Moses in the wilderness. And then led him through the threats of Pharaoh, the plagues of Egypt, through the grumbling of the people, all the way to this point. And through that wilderness season, instead of Moses Looking back or looking to see what he, he learned, keyword, of where to find his security. And now he's here leading thousands, hundreds of thousands, through the wilderness. And what does he say? If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. In other words, I'd rather have you, Lord, in the uncertain place than not have you in paradise. Safety is not in the past things. It's not in the things I can see. It's in the enduring presence of God. And he says, God, I know that you're the difference maker. It's not my abilities. It's not our resources. It's not how clever we are. It's not how secure my job is. It's not how, how strong my family is. It is you and you alone that sets us apart. And how did Moses get there? How did he work his way there? Well, you see somewhat a mini picture of it in what we just read. And that Moses got alone and he had what I call tent time. Exodus calls this, Moses went to the tent of meeting. Let's just call it tent time. All right, where, where we find a tent is a, it's not a permanent structure, right? This is not a settled place. It's an uncertain place. But he got alone with God in that moment. And we see the Moses, number one, he reminded himself of who he was and how the Lord saw him. Number one. You see in Exodus 33, verse 12, Moses, who's understandably nervous, he says to the Lord, he says, Lord, you told me. This is your word. I'm proclaiming back to you. That you know me by name and, you found, and I found favor with you. See, when uncertainty lures us back or lures us to look something we can see to give us security, this is the moment when we start to say, we start off by saying, God, I'm going to remind myself of your own words. And this is why the word of God is crucial and vital in, no, in any season, but especially now. 
And for us as Christ followers, this is the point where we go before God and say, God, I know what your word says. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, I'm not who I was. I'm a new creation. Got to know what Romans says. Romans chapters 3 through 8, it says that I, I, you do not hold my sin against me, but I have been justified and, and forgiven by the sacrifice of Jesus, redeemed from the slavery of sin, and I'm united with him. Jesus, I know what you said in John chapter 10, that you know me by name. And I know 1 John chapter 3, it says that I've been called a child of God. God, that's who I am. And the reason why it's crucial to start there is because we need to remember how our God sees us. And then at that point, we can come before him and bring our concerns before God. See, Moses doesn't pretend when he comes before God. He, his question is really simple. It's like, you told me to leave these people, but I don't know what to do. What's the plan? Who's going with me? We've been through a lot, God. I'm overwhelmed. Show me. And it's because he knows who he is that he can come before God confidently praying these things. And that's exactly to be a picture for us that we can bring our uncertainties before the Lord as well. And then, and this is significant, then it says that Moses asked for an experience of God's glory. What's that about? For some of us, it might seem like an arrogant move. Like, who is Moses to ask to see God's glory? But it's not arrogant at all. The way I like to see it is I can sit here and tell my child I love you. And they can sit there and say, Dad, I know that you love me. But the thing that my child wants to receive next is that hug. It's an experience of that love. That doesn't may not come with words, but come with an experience of who God or who I am and my love for them. That gives that that is where the assurance ultimately comes, doesn't it? It's not from just the head knowledge. Like Moses, is like I don't want to just stay here. I want to know it. I want to know who you are. And of course, we know in this scenario, like Moses can't see the full glory of God and live. But we, on this side of human history. We know the one that Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 says is the very radiance of God's glory. The very face of God was revealed on earth. Here's the imprint of God's nature. And as we believe in him and trust in him, Romans 5 5 says that, that God's love has been poured out onto our hearts through what? Those who know that. The Holy Spirit whom he has given us. You see, when we believe and trust who God is, God's presence does not dwell in a building. It does not dwell someplace where the grass is greener. (laughs) He's with us in the uncertain season, in the wilderness, here, now. And this is why it's so important that we learn as God's people to have tent time. (laughs) Where we say, Lord... Will you reveal yourself to me? Will you show me who you are? I don't want to just know about you. I want to know you. Truly know you. And that's when we begin to see and really believe and trust the fact that I would rather have God in the wilderness than be alone in a land of prosperity. But what does all that mean then for our church? 
As we look forward to the upcoming year, as we wrestle with what the next year has, what's the plan? Like, what, what, what does this mean as far as what we're going to focus on this upcoming year? Well, we will continue to move forward with his word and spirit at the center of all we do. With all the clamor, the clatter, the changes going on all around us, we've decided to just dedicate this month to prayer. Why? Because this is a statement of our way of saying, God, we don't want to move forward unless your presence goes with us. Unless you are ultimately leading us. The, the thing that sets us apart, we know, is not, not programs. It's not leaders, as great as they are. It's not, not the building, right? It's not how great we are at online things, right? Thank you, Matt, for all you do back there. Um, but it is ultimately the presence, the power, the glory of God. And when we do this thing called prayer, which frankly sometimes you're like, I don't want to pray today. It's not very exciting. But it is where the power of God is. As we seek him together. And so that's exactly why we've been, like, I, my intention for the Trinity Live on Facebook thing was that the moment we got together in here again, that that would end. And I, the Lord is just like, nope, not yet. Because <laughs> we continually meeting together every morning at 8.30 to pray. And as we look and we decided, man, what, what does this look like going forward? I think we're going to keep it going. Past September. Because it's, it's important that we find all sorts of ways to get together. So whether we're inside or whether we're outside, whether we're online, on Zoom, on our phones, whether we're in mask or no, no mask, we gather around God's word, his truth, and his spirit. That's the power that changes us. And as we allow then his word and his spirit to change us and to lead us, then we can dynamically adapt to whatever terrain is in front of us. So in 1803, uh, President Jefferson gave a mission to the famous explorers Lewis and Clark. And they said, you guys need to find the, the river passageway from St. Louis area uh, to the Pacific Ocean. They believed that the Missouri River, if they just took a canoe, they could carry it and it would bring them all the way to the Pacific Ocean. Well, sounds like a good plan. Their mission was to reach the Pacific. But when they, once they got to the Rockies, what did they realize? The canoe's not going to work anymore. The mission was get to the Pacific. That didn't change. But they realized the method by which they got there had to change. They had to ditch the canoe and pick up, put on the hiking boots. And this is very much how this whole season feels for me. All right, we're meeting in person, February. Come March, go online. Then we have in person, do mask. And then we're having two services next week, right? Like, like we will keep adjusting the methods because we're not driven by method, we're driven by a mission. And this is exactly why it's important that we keep our ears in tune with God because unless we are listening for his word and his spirit and seeking both, we won't know how to adjust as things come. But ultimately, by listening to God and anchoring ourselves in him, that gives us the dynamic flexibility to go wherever God leads us. We don't know all that's ahead, but we do know our Lord goes with us. So, man, our plan? Do we have plans? Yeah, we do. <laughs> Next week, we're starting up two services, 8.30 and 11. We're going to stream the 8.30 service. 
So it's available for anybody who wants to tune in online or anytime after that. At 11, we're going to have kids programs going on. Um, we have been, I, I'm thrilled to watch and see how the youth group has been growing through this whole season. We have more kids coming to youth group right now than any time I can remember. I mean, what a phenomenal job. God's doing some things there. Our women's ministry, we have over 60 women right now signed up for various Bible studies across the week. They're gathering together that way. We continue to have small groups that gather around, worship, around God's Word and His Spirit. We have an a Alpha class that is kicking off today, right, Anita? Today? No. We'll get info to you on that here soon. We're being dynamic. We're being flexible. But Alpha is a class where people exploring major questions of faith can gather together. We're looking to do that on Zoom currently. And as we look, we're also saying, God, how can we better support families, especially those with kids at home right now? And we're asking, like, God, what does it look like um, for us to improve our digital experiences even more? And God, what does it look like for us to continue to support the foster ministry here in the midst of all the challenges that social workers and, and families are going through. And that, thank you to so many of you who brought in school supplies for that drive we did. That was extremely helpful. But what can we continue to do, Lord? So many things. And to see all those of you who, even through the season, have financially partnered with us so that we can have the resources to do these things, man, praise God. Praise God. We're going to be rooted in Jesus grow together, serve our community. Why? Because that's what disciples of Jesus do. And we're knowing that he is doing the transforming work among us. Our job is simply to facilitate a space with his word and inviting his spirit for him to come bring about the change in our lives. But my safety, my security, it's not in money. It's not in my abilities. It's not in programs. It's in the God who goes with us. Amen? Amen? All right. Lord God, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you is an understatement. God, we are just thrilled with the ways that you have carried us this season, and it really has felt like you've carried us. And while we know that we're coming through a desert season, and we're looking forward, and we're realizing, ah, there's still a lot of uncertain terrain ahead. God, we do realize that the only options we have are not to look back to what's familiar or look to trust to something we can see. We have the all-powerful God present not only with us but in us. And so, God, will you continue to move, build our faith, and show us how to trust you in uncertain times so that we can see you do Incredible things in and through us, your people. Thank you that you don't just ditch us when we fail you, but God, that your grace is consistently working through us and that you actually want to use us and involve us in your mission on this broken earth. There are so many people, Jesus, who need to know you. And your heart aches for a lost, broken, hurting world. God, I pray that you break our hearts of the things that break yours. And lead us, mold us to become like Jesus. In your mighty name we pray and everybody said.